What happens to us when we die? My favorite aunt fell and broke her hip years ago, and she called me. I was living in another city from her. And she said, What do you think happens to us when we die? She had been a longtime Church of Christ member mostly all her life. I said to her, We simply fall asleep when we die. She said to me, That's what I think. What does the Bible tell us? Prove all things, says the Apostle Paul, hold fast that which is good. Churches say different things about this. But what does the Bible say? The Bible is what we go by in the New Testament church. Jesus tells us in John chapter 11 exactly what happens when we die. Lazarus died, and Jesus said to his disciples, Lazarus has fallen asleep. And the disciples said to Jesus, well, if he's sleeping, he does well. And Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. By that, we know exactly what death is. Death is simply falling asleep. When I get in bed at night, I often think, oh, I'll never go to sleep, even though I'm sleepy. I think, I'll never go to sleep. And before I know it, I'm asleep. And when I awaken, sometimes four or five hours have passed. Where did those hours go? I'm not aware they're passing. I'm not even aware of where I am when I'm sleeping. That's like being dead, dead to the world. That's like being dead. Sleep is like being dead. Let's read John chapter 11, where Jesus plainly says, Death is like falling asleep. John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus, of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent to Jesus, saying, Lord, Behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Because it was going, Jesus was going to raise Lazarus from the dead showing that that's what he does in the end with those who have died in the Lord. So Jesus said, 
This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he, Jesus, had heard, therefore, that he, Lazarus, was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. He didn't rush to Lazarus. If we hear someone sick, don't we normally rush to them? But Jesus was going to let Lazarus die so he could raise him from the dead in front of all. His disciples said unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and thou goest thither again? Because Jesus had said to his disciples, Let us go unto Judea again, where Lazarus is sick. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, Jesus, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awaken him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. But they thought that they he had spoken of taking rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Death is simply falling asleep. My cousin's husband died, and she called me and said, Thurman has died. She told me about it. She said, Thurman talked to her, and then he reached over and patted her on the hand, and he just closed his eyes and fell asleep. I told my cousin, I said, that's just exactly what death is. We fall asleep. It doesn't matter where we are sleeping, when we're sleeping. The time passes. In the case of the Apostle Paul, who fell asleep, who died, as did all the other apostles back in the, old, in the beginning of the early church. In the case of the Apostle Paul, he's been sleeping for more than 2,000 years. It's exactly the same, though, as us sleeping four hours. When he awakens, when Jesus returns, Paul will awake. And it will be like not a day passed. He was sleeping. And that's what death is. It's simply sleeping. The dead in Christ will be awakened by Jesus when he returns with a shout. It doesn't matter where the dead are sleeping. We are not told in the Bible where they are asleep. They are asleep. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. The Apostle Paul says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, concerning those who are dead 
that ye sorrow not as others which have no hope. The pagans of the world have no hope. Basically, the Jews have no hope. The ones that don't believe in Jesus, they don't have any hope. They hoil and mourn and carry on as do the pagans of the world. Paul says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede them which are asleep, dead. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. One time God got my attention on this particular verse of in the air. I kept hearing in the air. And when I looked at First Thessalonians 4, it caught my attention because those exact words are in that verse then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Why in the air? Because this present heaven and earth are going to be destroyed by fire. So there won't be any existence of what we know now as the earth. It'll be gone. There are some stages in this situation. When Jesus returns with a shout, the dead in Christ rise first. There will still be believers who live on the earth when that happens. But first the dead in Christ rise. Then the ones who are living on the earth rise to meet them in the air. Then comes the great tribulation of Revelation chapter 8 through chapter 16. The wrath of God comes to bring justice on this earth to judge the wicked who are still on the earth. And all types of things happen. The great tribulation doesn't take place in a day or a week or a month. Because one of the plagues that's coming will last five months. That they will be tormented for five months with one of these plagues. So these happen in stages. No one knows how long the Great Tribulation takes. But those who believe in Jesus and live by the Word of God won't be on the earth at that time. Now there will be a huge number of the church on the earth because they do not follow the word of God. They follow the doctrines of their church. Those people will not escape. But the ones in the church who follow the word of God will escape. Let's look at 
1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting with verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. The worldly people who refuse Jesus and refuse the scriptures and the church people who refuse Jesus and refuse the scriptures because there are many, many, many church people today who go by doctrines of their church and eliminate portions of scripture in order to follow their church. They're not going to escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overcome you as a thief. We're not in darkness. Don't we see the wickedness increasing on this world? This is one of the signs of the coming of Jesus, is the wickedness of the world. And another sign is the apostasy in the churches. For the apostasy in the churches had to happen before Jesus could return, but the apostasy in the churches began as early as the Apostle John because in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, the Apostle John said, You've heard of Antichrist. There are already many Antichrists. Therefore, we know it's the last time. There were already many Antichrists in the days of Paul and John. So we know the apostasy in the churches has been going on for 2,000 years. That's why we have so many denominations. Because there's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, there's one God. And yet we have all these denominations, Catholic and Protestant. The ones... The individuals who follow the scriptures and refuse to sit in the apostasy that's going on in their churches will be the ones taken out before the Great Tribulation. There will be some of the elect on the earth during the Great Tribulation. We know that. Because in the book of Revelation, we're told that, and also in some of the other books, uh, we are told, um, Jesus said in Matthew 24, if the time isn't shortened, even the elect would not be saved. But for the elect's sake, the time will be shortened. That is in Matthew 24. If you are driving along the road and you cannot write these scriptures down, don't worry, I've got them in our blog. You can see every scripture that I'm speaking on today's episode by going to our blog, Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Be sure and put that word exhortation on it because there are several Jesus Ministries that you will find on internet 
our blog says is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. On the right-hand side of the page, you will see podcast recordings and scriptures. You can hear this recording again and follow along with the exact scriptures that are on the recording. As soon as I turn this recorder off, I will copy the scriptures in order of the way I'm speaking them. As I speak to you right now, I'm being led by the Holy Spirit, so I do not know in advance the scriptures that will be presented on this podcast. I don't know the order in which they will be presented, and I will go over the recording after I turn this recorder off and put these scriptures in order so that you can hear the podcast and follow along with the exact printed scriptures. And that's of great help to all of us to do that. So back to 1 Thessalonians 5. The Apostle Paul says, For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Peace and safety. What are they saying in the United States today? What are the homosexuals saying today in the United States? Peace and safety. In 1960, if a person was homosexual, he was, and caught in the state of Texas, he was put in prison. That was in 1960. Today they are protected by law. But what does the Bible say about homosexuals? What does the Bible say? It doesn't matter what we think. It matters what the Bible says because that is what God thinks. We have to conform our thinking to God. We don't conform God's thinking to us. So everything comes down to what does the Bible tell me about this subject? Well, let's look for a minute. Romans chapter 1, verse 26. And for this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. That's in Romans chapter 1. In the Old Testament, God completely destroyed Sodom. Throughout the Old Testament, homosexuals are referred to as sodomites. That's because in Genesis chapter 19, God sent two angels to Sodom to destroy Sodom. When the two angels, by the way, angels don't have wings. They just look like natural men. There's a scripture which says, Be not, uh, be not unaware to um, 
to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained angels unaware. Angels look just exactly like natural men. So these two angels go to Sodom to destroy Sodom. Lot, who is Abraham's nephew, lives in Sodom. The angels go to Lot's house. And here is the interesting thing. In Genesis 19, it said, Men from every quarter of the city came to have sex with those men that came to Lot's house. From every quarter of the city. It was filled with homosexuals. And they came to have sex with those angels. Lot was going to protect the angels, not knowing they were angels. Well, the angels just caused blindness to come upon the homosexuals when they tried to get in the door. Angels have great power. They pull Lot out, Lot out of the city, along with his daughter and wife. But his wife looked back longingly at Sodom, and she was turned into a pillar of salt. But the angels took Lot and his daughter and his wife by the hand and literally pulled them out of Sodom before the destruction of Sodom. Then Sodom was completely destroyed. Throughout the Old Testament, homosexuals are called Sodomites. Sodomites are abominations to God and the kings of Judah and Israel who allowed the Sodomites to continue to dwell in the, in the, with the children of Israel were accused of great evil by God. See, this isn't my opinion. This isn't anyone's opinion. This is what the Bible shows us about the subject. So we simply accept the subject. Can homosexuals and lesbians be saved? Absolutely. If they look at scriptures like Romans chapter 1 and see that God sees this as sin, if they hear a word from the Holy Spirit saying what you're doing is sin, why they will be saved. They won't continue as homosexuals or lesbians. For it's like the woman taken in adultery, which is recorded for us in John chapter 8. What did Jesus say to her? Go and sin no more. So they will not be allowed to continue in sin and be saved. They will be turning from that sin. Didn't we all turn from our previous sins when we were born again? Of course we did. If we return to those sins, we're like dogs returning to its vomit. And if we return to those sins, a fearful judgment will be upon us. But who wants to return to their sins? I certainly don't want to be like I was before I was born again. If you're born again, I can't believe you want to return to your sins that you were committing before you were born again. But if you do, there's a terrible penalty awaiting you. I'm going to prove this by the Bible. If you will look at Hebrews chapter 10, we'll see it.
We'll start reading with verse 22. Hebrews 10.22 Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, pure water of the Word of God. The Bible Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. Exhorting means to urge earnestly by advice and warning. But exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching, as we see the wickedness increasing, we exhort one another even more. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sorer punishment suppose ye shall be he thought worthy, who hath trodden under foot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and has done despot unto the spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. Now God is going to judge us by the word of God. Not by the doctrine of your church. God is not going to say, Oh, you Episcopalians, uh, that was your doctrine, and it's wrong, it's not according to the Bible, but that's all right, I excuse you. That's not the way we're going to be judged. Every one of us are responsible for the doctrines at the church we attend. You are responsible for the doctrine fitting the Bible. If it does not fit the Bible, Antichrist has taken over in your church and you have to leave that church. You will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ by the word of God. And if you stay in a church where what they're doing is contrary to the Bible, to portions of the Bible, you're going to be judged by God in a negative way. It is only when we conform ourselves to the Bible that we are going to be approved by God. So in Hebrews 10.31, we read, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So Jesus returns 
and the dead in Christ rise. And those who are still living who belong to God are raised up to meet Jesus in the air. The great tribulation comes upon the world. And it comes upon those who are church members who do not follow the scriptures and are left on this earth. At the end of the great tribulation, this heaven and earth are destroyed by God. We couldn't possibly be on the heaven and earth and have the church on the heaven and earth while it is being burned in the fire as it's going to be. Because the Bible tells us that's exactly what the end of this current heaven and earth is. It will be destroyed by fire. So we are taken in the air to be with Jesus. And we are taken to the new heaven and the new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. First we will read about this current earth and the current heaven and what the apostle Peter said would happen. So turn with me to Second Peter chapter 3 verse 10. Peter says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening, hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, Look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. God showed the Apostle John this new heaven and new earth where we're going to be taken. As soon as we finish reading Second Peter chapter 3, we'll go to Revelation 21 and see the description of the new heaven and new earth, the new Jerusalem. So in Second Peter 3.13, the apostle says, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him, of Jesus, in peace, without spot and blameless. When Jesus returns... We want him to find us in a state of peace. How is that possible? Well, it's possible to stay in a state of peace continually if when we are troubled, we turn to God immediately and say, this troubles me, please help me. 
We're connecting ourselves with God every time we turn to Him that way. So if we continually are turning to God throughout the day in the midst of things that trouble us, and Jesus returns at that second, He will find us in peace because when we pray, God will give us peace over that thing over which we are troubled. So we have to learn to continually commit our cares to God in prayer, which connects us to God. So at the time Jesus returns, we certainly want to be found of him, of Jesus, connected to God in peace, without spot and blameless. If we are following the scriptures that we have been shown by the Holy Spirit, how can we not be in spot, uh, live uh, without spot? The scriptures cause us to be justified in the sight of God. So that is what is going to happen to this current earth that we are on. It will be dissolved in the fire after the great tribulation. God gave the Apostle John a vision of the new heaven and the new earth where we will be taken with Jesus. And that is where we will live forever. Revelation 21, start at verse 1. John says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. We're not going to have these current bodies. We will not have these current bodies in the new Jerusalem. We are given a new body as God wills. Paul told us that in 1 Corinthians 15. Revelation 21, 5, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Now in 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul told us a mystery. He said, Not all will die. Not all will die. Jesus will return raise the dead in Christ. The ones who are in Christ will be raised by Jesus. And the ones who are still living on the earth at the time of the return of Jesus will be taken up to meet the Lord in the air. And we will all be placed in the new Jerusalem wherein dwelleth righteousness. You will never be able to make this current earth righteous. You'll never be able to do it. We know that because of Second Peter chapter 3 where he said, Wherein dwelleth righteousness. We look for that 
heaven and earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. It won't be the current one. Let's go to second to first Corinthians chapter fifteen for a moment. Verse forty nine the Apostle Paul says, And as we have borne the image of the earthy, the image of our fathers and mothers, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall not all die. But we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. A twinkling of an eye, that's how fast this happens. Blink your eyes. That's how fast. You're not going to say goodbye to anybody. You're not going to be able to even make provision for your animals. You'll be gone. In a twinkling of an eye. In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. We aren't going to have these bodies that we have right now. Because in the New Jerusalem, where we are taken, there is no pain. It's because we are in this flesh that we have pain, that we have sorrow, that we have the emotions of fear, of dread, of sorrow. None of that will exist in the New Jerusalem that is described in Revelation 21. And that is where we are taken at the end. Every scripture that I have shared with you today is printed on our blog, Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Go to that blog. On the right-hand side of the page, you will see podcast recordings and scriptures. You can hear this recording again and read the scripture as I'm speaking it. And this is episode 12, the subject of death. What happens when we die, according to the Bible? This is Joan Boney speaking. I thank you for allowing me to speak today. I have written quite a few books on these subjects, and they are published on Amazon. If you will go to Amazon and look for my name, Joan Boney, J-O-A-N-B-O-N-E-Y. That list of books will come up on Amazon, and you can get those books through Amazon. We have kept the price very low. The e-books are 99 cents in the United States. I think Amazon charges a little more for the e-books in other nations. 
And sometimes the ebooks are for free. Every day we have at least one free ebook, which you could get through Amazon. And I urge you again to go to our blog, Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Click on podcast, which is on the right-hand side of the page, homepage. It will bring up all the podcasts which I've recorded. Every one of these podcasts have every scripture that I have spoken for that podcast printed out for you. So you can copy these scriptures for yourself and look upon them and think upon them day and night and move in the way of God. For this is the way of God for us, the church. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you.